as we continue going backwards in the life of Christ, um, Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15 in the last, last verse of that chapter uh, as a jumping off point um, for us this evening. Matthew chapter 15 verse 39. And he sent away the multitude and took ship and came into the coast of Magdala. And we continue reading in Matthew 16 verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempted and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? Verse 4. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. And so the, the sermon that the Lord really just laid upon my heart to teach tonight is um, a sermon titled, What Could Have Been? What Could Have Been? Have you ever been in a position where you, um, you go to a store and, and I was in there today. And you're really excited about it, and you're 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 thinking, okay, I'm gonna, as soon as I get paid, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna purchase that that item or that 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 particular food that you desire, only to find out that the day after, um, when you have your pay, you have your money, you go there, and either it's all gone already, or the signs are or the signs are already down, and there's nothing left, and you feel that that sort of like, oh man, I missed out. Sometimes when we read the scriptures, we sort of see these little, these little um, stories. And, and, and even though it almost seems like there was nothing that really happened in that particular place, we find it actually mentioned twice in the scriptures or in the Synoptic Gospels. So if you'd like to write notes in regards to this, um, you can find this particular story of, of Jesus actually um, going to the coast of Magdala in Matthew chapter 15, um, 39 to Matthew 16 verse 4. And also Mark chapter 8, um, 10 to 12. So those are some things that, um, that sort of just allow us to see. This, this story is pretty important. Verse 39 really just comes after the, the concept of what Jesus Christ already had done. So he's, he's just finished feeding the 4,000. And now they've, they've just um, seen some great marvelous things working. And now they're on the boat. And they're on their way to Magdala. They arrive at Magdala. And you find here... These two different groups of people. These two different groups of people um, that unify to, to mount an attack on Jesus Christ. And so the first point for us this evening is simply this. The unity of the enemy. The unity of the enemy. Let's look in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 15, uh, 16. And the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Now imagine this, you, they, they've just arrived at the coast of Magdala, and 
out of nowhere, this, this group of people, this band of men come and approach you, and it says that they're, they're attempting and desire to sign. So both gr- groups here, and, and he caused me to study just, to, just briefly in regards to the difference between Pharisees and Sadducees. Sometimes we read them almost the same thing, um, but they're really different in regards to what they believe. Um, even though both of them were part of the Sanhedrin, um, basically the ruling religious government that was headed up by 70 of either Pharisee or Sadducee. We almost just group them together because they're part of the Sanhedrin. But church, understand, these are two different groups of people with two different interests, with two different goals, mounting up together for one specific purpose, and that's to denounce and to undermine the ministry of Jesus Christ. See, the differences of the Pharisees and Sadducees are known um, through passages of Scripture, but also extent of writings of the Pharisees. So religiously, the Sadducees were more conservative in one doctrinal area. They they insisted on literal interpretation of the Scripture. That's what the Sadducees sort of understood. The Pharisees, on the other hand, gave oral tradition equally authority, uh, gave, gave, um, I guess, gave oral tradition in in the sense that what a a Pharisee would teach the younger Pharisee and would continue on, they gave that the same the same standard as the scriptures. And what, they, what they've done was um, they gave the same authority as the word of God. And so if the Sadducees couldn't find um, a command in scripture, they would dismiss it as man-made. That's what the Sadducees would do. But you see, the Sadducees rejected the belief in the resurrection of the dead. If you like to write down these references in regards to that, that's in Matthew 22, um, verse 23, or Mark chapter 12, verse 18 to 27. But the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees denied the afterlife, holding that the soul perished at death. But the Pharisees believed in the afterlife and uh, appropriate reward or punishment for each individual. So now we're finding that these people believe completely different things, but still mounting up against Jesus Christ. Continuing on, the Sadducees rejected the idea of the unseen and spiritual world. But the Pharisees taught the existence of angels and demons in the spiritual realm. Though they differed in their stand, they perceived Christ as a threat to their religion and to their authority. And together, they had unity against Jesus. They were unified against Christ. Their remarkable working of unison depicted their anxiety towards this man named Jesus Christ. Why? Because everything that Jesus Christ stood for and taught to people, um, even the miracle of the 4,000, that, 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 that miracle of the 4,000 wasn't directly for the Jews. It was actually for the Gentiles and Decapolis. Um, that miracle in itself flew in the face of all the Pharisees and the, um, and the Sadducees. It was completely out of realm for them to think that Jesus Christ is really for them. And because of that, they got together And it's interesting what it says in the scriptures about it. Um, In in the middle of verse 1, And tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Tempting desired. um, If you go through the the definition of tempting, it's the the concept that it's um, it's not just to test or to trial for the purpose of asserting, um, asserting his quality. But in this context, what happens is that 
um, this, this tempting wasn't positive, it was negative. This wasn't to, see, uh, to prove that Jesus Christ, what he was saying was legitimate. He was actually, they were actually saying these things to prove quite the contrary to that. It was in a bad sense to test once maliciously, craftily, and to put to the proof of his feelings or judgments. That's what the word tempted means. But it's interesting, they said, they said this. Tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Jesus Christ didn't just appear on the scene at this, point, this time. Church, you need to understand as we read through um, Jesus Christ's ministry, this didn't happen at the beginning of his ministry. This was already way, way inside his ministry. And so you have different, different miracles that have already taken place. And what this really shows to the believer and to those that are reading the scriptures today is that oftentimes the people that question Christ um, fail to see what he's already done. And, and, and takes a blind eye to the, the blessings and the, the truth of Scripture in regards to what He has already um, given to them, but they look for more. They continue to look for more. Something else that will tickle their fancy or, or, or give them a, a, a sense of saying, okay, he's, he's validated Himself for this time, but tomorrow He needs to validate again. This concept that Jesus Christ was this test dummy that needed to do things every single time in order for him to be legitimate, they were pointing and they were coercing together just to tear, this, tear Jesus Christ down. And so how does that even impact us? And this is, this is where I think um, I find myself in a lot of times. Sometimes I find myself in worry. Sometimes I find it myself in, in, in times of need and I look and I say, God, you need to show me that you're, you're going to care for me and you provide for me. But all the while, Jesus has already provided for me in the past. He's already given me the blessings in the past. And for some reason, whether it's a lack of faith or whether it's just um, the sinful nature, we, we often say to God, God, show me again your graciousness. Show me again your mercy. Instead of stepping out in faith, we decide to step back because he needs to show himself strong again. Does that make sense, church? But here's the thought as, as we continue on. That was, that was the, the unity of the enemy. But secondly, there was a response of the Savior. There was a response of the Savior. And it's interesting what he does is, again, like what we discussed last week, Jesus doesn't, doesn't say okay or doesn't say no straight away. What he does is he, he, he tries to break down the, the statements that were made and to see the heart issue, to see what is the core issue of what's going on. And there are some guys, some gentlemen and some, some, some ladies that are really good with that. What they can do is they can take this massive issue like this and boil it down. And you'll find out that it's just one issue. And those are, are gifts from God. Those are guys that, that can, can control a situation and, and really just, just help another individual to perceive the thing the way it should be perceived. And how Jesus Christ did that. Um, to, to the Pharisees and Sadducees is rather interesting. This is what he does. He turns around and he references the weather. They didn't ask about weather. They, they didn't ask about um, whether tomorrow is going to be a, a sunny day or it's going to be a rainy day. But Jesus turns around and goes to the issue, goes for the jugular and says this. He goes in verse 2, Matthew chapter 16, verse 2, and he answered and said unto them, when it is evening... 
ye say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. He references the weather. And I did some research in regards to that statement, and it's, it's, um, it has to do with the refracting of light and the particles in the air that causes the red to, to actually show forth. And majority of the time, many times, it's true. And a lot of sailors in the past used that when they saw that the, the sky was red in the evening. Um, the good weather was coming in from the, I think it was from the east. And if it was, it was, it was red weather in the morning, the, the wet, good weather was leaving and going to the west. And so in this sense, it was almost legitimate. It's true. But he said this specifically, it will be. It will be. And as Jesus Christ responded, um, he, he responded in the sense that um, you don't question the signs that will help you regarding weather. You don't, you don't, you don't take your umbrella when you know that the, the day today is going to be sunny. And how many times have we been caught out, right, as humans? And even here in this 21st century, while we have, we have different barometers, we have different things to, to help justify the, whether it's going to be sunny or rainy. And there's days, to be quite honest, church, where, where you're prepared for a sunny day, only to go out and go with your family to the beach and find out that it's nice and cloudy and it's going to start raining. Why? Because... Things change very quickly. And Jesus Christ turns around to them while they're asking him and tempting him for a sign. He says, turns around and says, you rely on this, this little thing that you perceive. Because you can see it. This redness in the sky. Because you see this redness in the sky, then you believe what it says. And so you will govern your life for that. He references the weather. And you say, how does this apply to us? It's simply this. Sometimes God works and nothing is showing. Sometimes there are things that God is doing in the hearts of men that there's no sprinkle of dust. There's no hundred people at the altar. God is just working and doing his thing. And if we're not careful, we'll say that this is fruit and this is not fruit. And this is a sign of something, and this is not a sign of something. And the danger is, is we can perceive things that it seems like nothing's actually happening, but in actual fact, God is doing His work. He's just not showing you yet. And in times past, I find myself in the same predicament. Why? Because it's so easy to rely on visual things. When you look in your, your, your bank account, it's very easy to rely on that. But God says, I need faith. I need you to live by faith. And this month is, is about faithfulness. This, this month is about how, how we can propel forward as a church and, and living by faith and doing so many great things by faith. And we will do, and as, as we have done many times in the past. But church, don't just equate physical, physical seeing to be fruit. Because let me tell you, there are many people that God has worked in the heart and it permeated for a year two years or three years and then that one time someone knocks on their door or that one time a lady gives them the gospel while they're at the playground talking about coffee or whatever it may be and then she receives Christ 
And this is what we say. That's fruit. But for three years, it was permeating in her mind. And so what Jesus Christ is bringing down and what's, what he's trying to say to them, simply this, is that you reference the weather. You're willing to take general promises of the skies to make your decision. But you fail to see what is actually in front of you. The signs of the times. It says there, in verse 3, O oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? And so I believe he's referencing this to Galatians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, let's turn there quickly. And Galatians chapter 4. Um, some even reference this to the end of days, um, 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 7, but I believe it's in Galatians chapter 4, um, actually talking about himself. It says this in Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as, as, as long as he is a child, deferreth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Verse 2 of Galatians chapter 4. But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in the bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might, be, uh, we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out. What Jesus Christ was, uh, I believe he was referring to, was simply the fact that, hey, I've, I've shown you and I've taught you um, who I am. I've shown you my deity. I've, I've, I've preached you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I've, I've, I've given you proof of my, of my words. And you have to understand, church, that the miracles didn't, um, the, the miracles didn't just validate Jesus. No, no. He validated his words. When he preached and he did works, that was a, valid, a validation of who he was. And as he turns to the Pharisees and also to the Sadducees, he's saying to them, hey, um, you can discern these things that you can see, but you can't even discern what I've, I've spoken to you. You don't even discern who I am. And as he continues on, he not only references the weather, but he also references past provision. He references past provision in Matthew chapter 16 and I'll speed up tonight. Um, it says this in verse 4. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Can I ask you a question? Can you be adulterous if you're not married? See, as, as the, the book of Matthew, we understand that why the book of Matthew is written. We, we understand that not all of the books of the Bible are written to us, but they're written for us. And specifically, Matthew was targeting the, the Jews as he wrote the book of Matthew, um, as, as the Holy Spirit led him to. And so when he said these things, um, it made sense to those that were, that were Jewish. Why? Because they, they understood that, that Israel and Israel was, was sort of attached to Jesus, to, attached to God. 
they had that concept. And so here's the, the concept that he brings forth, the reference to past provision. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it. The Jewish people are represented in the sacred writings as, a, as married to the Most High. But like a disloyal wife forsaking their true husband, uniting themselves to others, such as Satan or sin. And so when Jesus Christ made this statement, he was saying, hey, aren't you, you're already supposed to be satisfied. God's already provided you some things. God has given you some things, but it, your response to his provision is almost like an adulterous, uh, adulterous person that walks around and and even though Jesus Christ has wrought miracles after miracles, sufficient enough to demonstrate both his divine mission and his divinity, the point is the sign seekers will never be, never be satisfied. Those that seek signs will never be satisfied. And we need to be able to discern between someone that is seeking signs so that they can grow in the faith or get into the faith or someone that's seeking signs to deter and to, dis to dismember what Jesus Christ has established. A prime example of this is if you're, if you're an avid soul winner tonight, and many of you are, um, and I know a lot of people can't make it on Saturdays, but thank you for those that do. Um, there are times when you're knocking on the door and you speak to somebody and, and the person you speak to is really interested in the Word of God. They're really interested to the point where they invite you inside their house. And this happened many times. And you're sitting there and he gets you a cup of tea and a cup of coffee. And you begin talking. And what you find is as you're having a conversation, it's not really his desire to learn about who Jesus Christ is. It's actually what he wants to push on you. His, his, his evaluations on Christians. His evaluations on, on these things. And, and that, that five, supposed to be five five minutes of conversation begins to be an hour of conversation and all you're doing is just answering questions after questions. And I'm not saying that everyone that does that is wrong. I'm just saying that you need to be wise and understand that sign seekers will continue to look for the sign even though the Savior is right there. No, Jesus, everything else you've done, the, 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 the water into wine, the the, the miracle of raising people up from the dead, the casting out demons, all that's insignificant. We need a sign today to validate who you are. And sign seekers will never be satisfied without the Savior. There was a reference to past provision. And it says here, um, seeketh after a sign. Basically, um, it, it denotes the thought that it's, it's continual. It's, it seeketh sign upon sign. It's a, still another sign. It is a continual thought. And so it ref, he, he not only references the past provision, but he also references the resurrection. And there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And sometimes I read the scriptures, and I'm like, okay, this is talking about Jonah in the past. Jonah and the whale and Nineveh, and mercy, and God's provision, and grace. But they had this conversation earlier in the chapter, in, verse, in chapter 12, 
if you go there for me, uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 39, he actually answers them at this time, and he, he gives a little concept of this thought of Jonas. In Matthew chapter 12, uh, verse 39, it says this, But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, says this, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man, capital S, be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus had already wrought enough miracles sufficient to demonstrate his mission, but the ultimate sign and validation of his identity as the Son of God was going to be his resurrection. Do you know what that was? That was grace. You say, how is that grace? There will not be a sign except for this one. This is it. Isn't that amazing? I, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I was like, he could have just turned around and finished that sentence and said, there will not be a sign for this generation. That's enough. No. But he still gives them an opportunity and says, you know what? Except for the one like Jonas. And because of their lack of faith, Jesus removes the opportunity. And instead of spending the vast array of time helping Magdala and those that, that were inside Magdala, what he does is he goes back into the boat and he leaves. In, verse, in, in, verse, um, in Mark chapter 8, again, the, the parallel passages of this. Uh, you don't need to turn there for the sake of time. Uh, Mark chapter 8 verse 12 says this, And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation. And in verse 13, And he left them, and entering into the ship, departed to the other side. Matthew 16, 4 says, And he left them and departed. Instead of the marvelous works continuing, the opportunities of learning given, Jesus enters the ship and departs. So what can we learn from this little scene of Magdala? Simply this. Those that oppose Christ are willing to unify to undermine spiritual purposes. Those that oppose Christ will be willing to unify to undermine spiritual purposes. Not all that request the truth are sincere. They had heard, they, they've seen and they've heard of the 4,000. They perceived him raised the dead. Yet their desire to destroy Christ blinded them from having faith in him. Secondly, um, Jesus responds by revealing their lack of faith. He references what is likely to happen in weather. But then he shows the limited trust on the words of God. But the wholehearted trust on, on, on things that are found wanting. Thirdly, Jesus reminds them of past provision. Instead of seeing the past provisions as evidences of truth, they seek more. And as an adulterous husband or wife, they're not satisfied with what has been provided. And fourthly, the opportunity is limited due to lack of faith. And as, we, as you read passages of Scripture, don't skip them. Ask God, God, show me what, what you're saying here. Help me to develop myself. Help me to grow my life, in my life in this. And simply, it's this church. 
this area of faith is such a pivotal area in your life. Such a pivotal area. Don't be like these people. I ought not be like those people. Why? Because we can limit the, the workings of God because of our lack of faith. So let's be faithful these next couple of weeks. When you give out that track, don't, ex- don't, don't, don't be surprised if they actually come. Don't be surprised that if you invite a friend from uni and, and they get saved. No, don't be surprised about that. God is, God is doing his work. Just live in faith in regards to that. Hopefully that was a blessing. And what could have been, should have been, and can be with us as we endeavor to serve God um, in this month of faith. All right? So let's pray. Ask God. And then what we'll do is continue on the service. Father, we thank you again just for your word. I pray, Lord, that you again use your word to encourage and strengthen, Lord, for this evening throughout the week. I pray, Lord, that you just bless each and every one that's here. Thank you for them coming. Bless us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um,